In introducing a transformed cabinet at the swearing-in ceremony, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull described his new ministry as one that reflects a determination to seize the opportunities of the most exciting times in human history. Well, a bit of hyperbole perhaps, but the choices he's made in his new team and his description of the kind of government he hopes to lead after his ruthlessly executed coup to oust Tony Abbott have given Australia a new hope after enduring three poor prime ministers in a row over the past three years. And after being hopelessly behind Labour in the polls, the Liberal National Party coalition now has the opposition on the back foot. So, what's changed? The world this week is much the same as it was last, when Abbott was unceremoniously dumped by his own party. To be sure, President Barack Obama now says he thinks the United States and its partners will conclude the Trans-Pacific Partnership this year. But Chinese economic growth is well below what we want it to be. Europe is unable to fix its refugee problem. North Korea has rekindled its nuclear program. And the Australian economy is still flat with the end of the mining brew, poor productivity and an opposition determined to wreck the best achievement of the Abbott government, an advantageous free trade agreement with China. As yet, there's been no Turnbull bounce in the stock market, far from it. But the reason for optimism about Australia is, as the influential columnist Bob Gottliebson put it, that Malcolm Turnbull now has the opportunity to lead a government that Australia has not experienced over a decade. The last four prime ministers have been hopeless at running a cabinet. Kevin Rudd surrounded himself with personal advisers, was highly disorganised and lived for the media cycle only to be overthrown by Julia Gillard, who was possessed by the unions and the photo opportunity. The Labour Party brought back Rudd, but he couldn't eat off the challenge from the pugnacious Liberal leader Tony Abbott. But then Abbott never really made the transition to Prime Minister, relying too much on slogans and battle cries rather than good policy. Backbenchers and ministers served notice on him earlier this year, from his over-dependency on his chief of staff, the formidable Peter Credlin, who guarded his office as if it were Fort Knox, and blocked all but the most determined. Abbott promised to do better, but didn't. And last week, Turnbull swooped. Turnbull will resurrect proper cabinet government from the mould of John Howard and Bob Hawke. He'll insist on policy debate, rather than slogans and global insults that have dogged Parliament, and will focus on new opportunities for Australia in the digital age, particularly in services. Joe Hockey, an amiable and occasionally able politician, failed in the key economic role of Treasurer in the Abbott government after one bad budget and an inability to push forward with economic reform so badly needed. His friends would argue that he was constrained by Abbott's refusal to take any unpopular measures, but he did appear to run his office by the seat of his pants. His successor, Scott Morrison, is not likely to disappoint after successful spells as a tough immigration minister who engineered an end to sea-bound illegal immigration and as a tireless social services minister earning praise from welfare groups. 
Turnbull also is fortunate that the able foreign minister Julie Bishop transferred her allegiance to him. Tough and resolute, she has managed several crises well, including the downing of a Malaysian jet by Russian-backed rebels in the Ukraine, in which 28 Australians died. Turnbull is much more likely to let her run her portfolio without meddling. Turnbull will focus on economic and tax reform as his priority. Defence will also benefit from having one of three new women appointed to the Cabinet. Senator Maurice Payne, the surprise appointment, will have the tough task of preparing a new defence white paper within days, as well as assessing and managing Australia's most expensive procurement programme in history, including a much-needed submarine fleet and new aircraft. There is much talent in the Turnbull Ministry, but much of the course hangs on Turnbull himself. He is now at the pinnacle of three successful careers. As a lawyer, he came to fame, taking on and beating the British government on the side of retired MI5 spy Peter Wright, who fought for the right to publish the book Spycatcher. As an investment banker, as managing director of Goldman Sachs Australia and then running his own business, he became very rich. In politics, he was deposed as leader of the opposition by Abbott, but last week gained his revenge. Turnbull now has until Christmas to fine-tune existing policies and develop new ones that catch the public imagination. He will do both. Then he has six months to sell them to a listening public and a sceptical Senate. Then it'll be the next election campaign. It's a daunting challenge, but the chances are Turnbull can achieve what Abbott never could.